every so often I read a book that is so intriguing and yet so fucking boring that I don't know what to rate it. Welcome to the Apartment Library. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Cool, we'll keep that one. All right. Seven intros in. Welcome back to the Apartment Library. Our first episode since lunch. I don't know why I keep tapping my knee with my fist, but whatever. It's a big moment. It was. How did you like our first five episodes? I thought they were great, well, but I might be a bit biased. Because you know nothing about audio quality? <laughs> no, because I love our podcast, <laughs> no matter what the quality. Yeah, so we've had a, a few hiccups. We've had a couple of uh, didn't hit record moments, <laughs> but we made it. We're yeah. live. The apartment library is a thing. You can find us on Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, and Podbean Podcasts, and all the podcasts, no, not all of them, but most of the cool podcast yeah, sites. The big ones, at least. Yeah, you can RSS the shit out of us. Anyway, so this week... <laughs> so what do we read this time? Uh, about a month ago, <laughs> we finished Gone, Baby Gone by... Dennis Lehane. And I'm asking her to say it because I don't know how to pronounce her last name, so I was probably going to say Denise Lahine. Okay, whatever. Never mind. I had to look it up on YouTube because I don't want to mispronounce people's names. Yeah, with all due respect to Mr. Lahand, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not one to talk. I have a really weird name. So, yeah. So, by Dennis Lahane, what do we know about the author? All right. So, I first heard about this dude when Shutter Island came out, the... In my opinion, pretty awesome movie with Leo DiCaprio and Mark Ruffalo. Excellent movie. Loved it. Liked it so much that I bought the book and read it and loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I read something else by him. I can't remember. I also have Mystic River. Either way, this book is the fourth in a series of six novels so far involving private detectives Patrick Kenzie and Angie Gennaro. And of course, we start with the fourth book in the series. It's the most Although, popular one. Yeah, and I don't I, I don't get the impression that it's really a continuous story at all. It's just these characters yeah, that I are mean, the continuous part. Yeah, like, yeah, the private detectives, it's, yeah, like, I mean, you'll have some overlap with some characters here and there. And some references to previous books, I think. Exactly. So if you're really big into it, you might... Benefit from... Reading them like, in order? Maybe, but... I think it's a good standalone. Like, it didn't seem like we were missing anything. No. And I guess, like, I mean, we wouldn't have known if we'd no, missed anything. No. But either way, it didn't, nobody, nobody warned us about this. Yeah. I just mean that it, it's not like it referenced things that already happened and we were left confused. I don't know. I was pretty fucking confused reading this book. Yeah. There were, yes. That's, it is a pretty all over the place story. All right. So give us a quick summary. So just really basic, this the book is a crime detective mystery novel, which is right up my alley in yours too, probably. Mm -hmm. And essentially it it's, follows the case of this little girl. How old is she? Like four or five, six, around that age? I think like, she's four. Yeah. So she goes missing and her mother is just this, horrible person who shouldn't be a parent she doesn't care and whatever and so that is essentially what it is so it's these two detectives Patrick and Angie they're hired by the family to investigate and find the girl 
Yeah, so call that your spoiler warning from now on is all spoiler territory. And I will add, this book involves some pretty gruesome violence, particularly towards children. There is some sexual violence and sexual violence towards children. Be warned. All right, so Lahane. Dennis Lahane? <laughs> Dennis Lahane. Dennis Lahane. There we go. Born in 1965, unsurprisingly in Boston, most of his oeuvre happens to take place in the Boston, Boston area, the Boston region. And we're, we're going to try really hard not to do Boston accents, but no promises. <laughs> so he is a novelist and screenwriter. He is most known for his crime and detective novels such as this one. And in the Kenzie and Gennaro series, In Order, A Drink Before the War, Darkness, Take My Hand, Sacred, Gone Baby Gone, Prayers for Rain, and Moonlight Mile. As I mentioned earlier, Shutter Island and Mystic River are some of his standalone novels, and I believe they're his most famous. I guess like they're more, more adaptable. Like they, uh, Mystic River and Shutter Island are the two novels that I knew that were adapted from his work into the screen. Uh, I had heard about Gone Baby Gone, but I didn't know it was Dennis. Yeah, I've seen the movie listed on Netflix. Yeah. And yeah, I did make the connection that yeah. it was the book that we've had on our bookshelf, I guess, for yeah, a while. Yeah, because I, I bought the book after reading Shutter Island because I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And had it on my bookshelf for 12 years now. And we just read it now, this last month. Yeah, we got around to reading yeah. it. And I gotta say, first review, straight out of the oven, I didn't like it as much. I thought this was a lot more of a lukewarm novel than Shutter Island. That's probably more praise to Shutter Island than it is, it is a critique of this book, because this was pretty good. The only thing I would say right off the bat, is it right off the bat or right off the bat? Bat. <laughs> Oh, like in baseball. Yeah. Well, well, I'm not sure if that's where it comes from. But. Yeah, that tracks because I know fuck about sports, but whatever. Right off the baseball bat is that... Fuck, I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> is that the book was confusing. A lot of it got super confusing. A lot of characters like didn't matter at all. Like we could, I can describe to you the plot right now in fairly rigorous detail and still not remember those characters that like weren't really important some of them like even played important roles in certain scenes but eventually like they just like there's like pasquale i think it was a cop there was another dude and there's skinny ray who's like pretty important but like he just kind of doesn't really matter all that much and there's the whole cheese guy who's this drug lord gangster dude and there's this whole like, the book leads you to believe that he's involved somehow in the kidnapping, but then it turns out that he's not. Yeah, he pretended that he, that he wasn't, because, like, they stole it's from really, him. They stole yeah. the 200 grand from him, and that that's wasn't, not related like, to the crime at all, right? Well, it, it is kind of, but it's not the reason why Amanda was kidnapped, no, right? Like, no, no. that comes in to, towards the end that's revealed that it, it was unrelated. So Yeah, but I agree with you. There was a lot of plot lines, a lot of characters, a lot of things getting intertwined that sometimes it was hard to keep track of. Like, whose motivation is this? Why is this person doing it? How are they? Why are they doing this? Like, it, it's just, I agree. It was, sometimes it was... Really, really convoluted, it seemed. So that was, I guess, something that we agree on we didn't like about the book. I thought it dragged a little bit, particularly in the middle part. And in the the beginning, it also took a while to, like, get going. 
some of the I guess that's a bit more characteristic of detective novels where they have to set up a lot of stuff while trying to keep the story going so that you don't get bored mm -hmm. but also trying to insert as much detail that is necessary for this mystery right it's got to be like difficult to write a cohesive intriguing and fast detective novel mm -hmm. something that like hooks you and doesn't bore you and i understand why there were all these plot kind of subplot lines is because if the whole book was just straight okay like we're on the right path the whole time we're great detectives it's not that mysterious it's not that shocking mm -hmm. so i see why he kind of introduced these little red herrings if you want to call them because it introduces some intrigue some mis more mystery into the book so and of course investigating a crime is not this straight path you go off on all these little tangents and you investigate this one lead and it leads nowhere so i yeah i get if it was just this straight perfect discovery of what happened then yeah i guess that's a bit less it would be an agatha christie book uh, no <laughs> you never read an agatha christie book how do you know you don't know Maybe but I yeah, so I, I understand that that's, that's the reality of criminal investigations is that sometimes you, yeah, a certain path will lead you nowhere, but yes, there were, it and, was confusing at times. Yeah, And in this novel, if you look at it as a real case, the perpetrators, the real culprits would have wanted that to be the case, would have wanted to like lead everybody on a goose chase so that they could get away with like what they were trying to get away with. So moving on to the things that I enjoyed more about the book, and I guess that this will get a this this can get a bit confusing, but I think that the middle chapter with the pedophiles, Leon, Roberta, and the other fuckwad, what was his name? I don't remember this other guy's name. Yeah. Uh, that was to me the most interesting part, how because usually writing and reading violence is difficult. It's difficult as the reader because it's well violent, especially in this case, like there's uh, a gunfight and then you are slapped in the face with like the most horrible form of violence that you could come up with, which is you know like sexual violence towards a kid, in my opinion. And it doesn't describe, just for the listeners, it doesn't actually describe that. Like, it's kind of an aftermath. They discover what happened to this child. It's not like it. But they, dis they describe that it happened, though. Yeah, they, they say that it happened, but it's not like it, it was happening happen in the story. Like, okay, it's not well, like I he witnesses it happening that, or anything. It's a minor difference, though. No, but I mean, it's not like it describes the sexual abuse. That's all I'm saying. But I thought it did. I, 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 thought so. it, I thought it did, like, fairly graphically. Either way. I don't remember that, but, anyways, yeah. Yeah, so, like, that I felt was one of the more. Uh, fast-paced intriguing chapters in the entire novel however the reason for it to exist was essentially kind of like what you were saying a red herring it was you know just like you thought that a man that was going to be in that house you thought that they were leading to something and like they essentially solve a different crime they solve the disappearance of this other child in a horrible way because the kid is dead like they raped him and murdered him and they find the remains of other two kids in these creeps basement and i just knew that earlier in the novel when they mentioned them they would like reappear the only part that i didn't like about this entire episode is that baba patrick's friend mm -hmm. shows up essentially out of nowhere and asks patrick for a favor and the favor is pretty intense it's like come with me as I sell these like massive 
anti-aircraft guns to some creeps in the middle of nowhere and I just need your backup. And the other dude who's essentially like a good guy or, you know, Patrick being like, hopefully a more moral character. He's not, you know, an angel, but he just kind of goes like, okay, I guess I owe you a favor. Let's go. And they just, they're led directly to like the pinnacle of evil crime with these characters. Yeah, it did feel a bit unlikely that, yeah, the one person that Bubba has to go sell these guns to happens to be these Leon. these criminals that came up earlier in the book. Mm-hmm. It, it was just a bit convenient. So there were a few yeah. of those things in the book, like just really convenient things that happened, stuff that seemed a bit unlikely to occur in real life, but I get this is a book, it's fiction, whatever. Yeah, that, 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 could, that sentence could be used to describe every book ever, right? Like every type of mystery will have to have it's red herrings to try to detract from the idea that it is a crafted story that otherwise would be tremendously unlikely. Yeah, and even in real life, these convenient things sometimes do happen. Yeah, like these sure. really unlikely events sometimes do happen and yeah. it leads to solving a crime and whatever. But yeah, that was another thing about the book. I, I felt it like tremendously shocking that like he just kind of like threw that in as a way to like have it's not it's not just a red herring, but the characters of Leon, Roberta, and the other guy, they're mentioned early on because they are now at large. They were in prison, and they're, they're now at large, and they are suspects in Amanda's disappearance because they are known pedophiles and, like, uh, kidnappers and whatnot. So this chapter kind of solves that mystery, and I thought it was, like, the most intriguing part of the book page after page, just based on the amount of action that occurs, right? And yeah. this was like months after the episode at the quarry. Yes. Right? Where like the book kind of takes like a, a step down in speed. It slows down and the characters are just kind of left with nothing to do. They proceed with their other stuff. Oh, and uh, Angie gets like completely absorbed into the disappearance of Amanda and then the disappearance of this other child mm-hmm. whom they find in Leon and Roberta's house. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, on the topic of, I think you started off talking about what you liked about the book. Mm-hmm. Another thing I liked was just the, the moral dilemma at the end of the book. Yeah. Because they figure out that Amanda was kidnapped with the goal of giving her a better life because like I mentioned before the her mother was just this neglectful horrible person so it was the the mother's brother Lionel who worked with one of the cops and orchestrated this whole kidnapping in order to give Amanda to a better family yeah like the book raises interesting questions about should you intervene when you see a child being neglected or abused just because it's with their birth mother doesn't mean that's always the proper environment for the child's oh no well-being and is it our is it your duty to intervene should you not intervene because it's not your business quote-unquote or it's not the legal thing to do (laughs) oh god yeah of course that's the legality of it like they go to prison at the end because they kidnapped the child because they took the child from her mother because they broke the law but angie was like making the argument that we shouldn't we should just let them be yeah because she exactly she is arguing that side of the moral dilemma saying these people may be breaking the law but they're doing the righteous thing 
yeah, they're doing the best thing for the child. Although it might be, yes, you kidnapped her from her mother, but the mom doesn't really care. And the kid is young enough that she'll grow up in, with this new family and probably not really remember her biological mother that much. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I liked that idea of it. It made you think a little bit. The ending was punchy. Yeah, it, def- it definitely, uh, I, I, did, I didn't see it coming. I did not expect that twist. Yeah, I enjoyed definitely like the the last part of the novel, even though it, it is such a moral dilemma because it you you we can't live in a world that does that, right? Like, sure, it would be perfect. However, like, who is to decide? That's why we have the law. That's why we uphold the rule of law because it ju- it just becomes the wild west, right? Like, if anybody just goes out and makes decisions based on what they perceive to be the right or the wrong thing, then we'd live in chaos. However, in this case, taking Amanda from her shitty mother, who was neglectful and abusive, is arguably the right thing. However, there are, you know, like other ways to go about it. And then anybody who like has any awareness or has even experienced the foster care system or any of its versions will probably say, okay, well, you don't want to put a kid in that system either because they're going to experience the neglect and abuse anyway and at the hands of strangers essentially yeah so there's a lot of like moral questions that like the book raises and they're not all necessarily answered because broussard the wild card in this book the detective that goes from knowing nothing to being the culprit he is also involved in this and well he is essentially the one who took amanda and brought him brought her to doyle but he is also the parent to a child who, who that was abandoned and found in, it, in its own feces, essentially. Yeah, neglo- I think the mom was parents. high on crack or something yeah. and didn't obviously care about the kid at all. So he took the kid and obviously, like, you couldn't make the argument that it's not in a better home now. No, you can't. But he technically kidnapped the child, so it's that He absolutely kidnapped that child, yeah. That's, there's that dichotomy of... He obviously committed a pretty serious crime, but it was for the interest. It was in the child's interest. So, yeah, it's. I think it's it's the right thing morally to do. It's obviously not the right thing legally. Or <laughs> so. not the legal thing, for instance, for sure. Yeah, and but but again, like the child, like if if it were not for the disappearance and these kids' situations were brought to the attention of the police or the justice system or any other form of authority they would probably do a version of what these vigilante cops did, which is to take the kid away from these parents and insert that kid into a hopefully a better home. Whether that ends up being the case, it's a different story. And I think even the whole child protective thing, I'm I'm sure it depends on the city or country, state, whatever, province, but sometimes they don't intervene quickly enough yeah because obviously the birth parents have like they do their best to keep them with the parents of course and i think it it takes a lot for them to take a child from the family like there's a really heartbreaking documentary on netflix about this 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 case where the child was murdered killed by the parents and there were so many signs prior to that of social workers coming to the house noting that there was abuse happening and nothing happened and ended with the the kid dying so i think it's these systems don't always work properly and you can't always rely on them to do the right thing so when you see a child suffering 
you want to just take that into your own hands and I know I can give this kid a better life. I'm just going to take the kid now rather than doing the correct thing of alerting the authorities, investigating, whatever, and it might not even work out in the child's favor. Yeah, I mean, it is more a legal dilemma than a moral dilemma from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, absolutely, like, those systems and services are very often known to be either flawed and completely horrible for the child who is entered into that system, or just simply overwhelmed and low on resources and a problem in and of itself. Mm-hmm. but it becomes a legal dilemma more than a moral one because you're right. It's absolutely the right thing to like remove that child from that environment. I guess you could say the right thing at the end would be to do that and to force the parents to become better parents, should that be possible. Or because, you know, like the, the so many of these symptoms of society being sick are just symptoms of poverty right like people doing drugs people living in squalor people not feeding their children properly people not caring for their children properly i would say most of that is largely a symptom of poverty and there are evil people out there there are bad people who hurt children or who neglect children and that's like the worst thing that you can do to another human being when they're at their most vulnerable what was the name of that documentary the trials of Gabriel Hernandez? something like that. It's yeah, it's um I think they're Mexican or some sort of Latin American originated <laughs> family. <laughs> so the kid has that type of name, that's all I'm saying. I think it's Gabriel Hernandez. Yeah. But it's it's a really good that. documentary, but obviously very soul sucking. And it just makes you hate the system for failing. Yeah. So grandly in this scenario and i'm sure it happens many more times every day yeah and of course they do a lot of good work i'm not trying to insult social services or whatever but now those people suck in this case they failed miserably (laughs) and they were actually the social workers were brought to To justice yes like they they had a trial determining did these were you neglectful in this case i mean yeah you had one job yeah so. Yeah, I mean, not to comment on that because I haven't seen it, but I would not be surprised if these people, well, the social services workers, were actually working within the constraints of the jurisdiction that they are given, right? Like the authority that they are given to enact the laws or to like follow through with the cases in which like children find themselves in neglect or abuse. And they just can't, right? Because like parental rights are like a tremendously powerful thing. Like it's very very difficult in many cases to prove abuse and to turn neglect into a or to prove neglect enough right yeah but i think the argument in this case is at least from the documentary's point of view i know that might be biased in a certain way or whatever but there was there were clear enough signs in this particular case yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so it just reminds me of this kind of moral dilemma the book proposes well, actually, not in that case, there was not really any dilemma. It was clearly wrong what was happening. But in this case, it's sort of the same idea. You see a kid being abused, neglected. Do you just trust the system to do its job? I mean, you can, but that doesn't always work out. So, yeah, the cop, Remy, took it into his own hands. And, uh, yeah, so it's that question of, yeah, he kidnapped, which is a very serious crime. 
but it was for the good of the kid. Absolutely, yeah. So. I guess it doesn't answer that question. Like, that question cannot be answered other than by, like, how you perceive that moral dilemma. Like, how your own morals apply to that. And it's... Because it it is a a pretty serious thing to take a kid from their parents. Yeah. I think in this case, it was a bit more crafted. And so that, like, you felt horrible for Amanda, obviously. But also kind of bad. I felt a bit bad for her mom for being such a shithead. And, like, I mean, I, I think that people who, like can't raise children shouldn't raise children obviously but more importantly they shouldn't have children lots of people lots of people fuck you see it every day in this world people that are obviously not equipped whether emotionally mentally financially to raise children properly to take care of children properly and in many cases financially speaking at least it's getting impossible to do so just getting to the point where, like, I mean, if you add all the expenses, it's you essentially have to like make six figures to like raise a kid in a middle class home, yeah. or else like you're dipping into poverty. But I felt kind of bad for Helene because she's just such a fucking dope. Like she's she's such an imbecile that like she's neglectful for sure. I don't I don't I don't mean to like say that she's not culpable. I think that like she should have her kid taken away from her. And anybody who is like her, I mean, there's a case with the sunburn. Yeah. Where like she did let she... her kid roast in the sun, essentially. Yeah. Like I was thinking, like there was like a, a, a detail about the sunscreen, or I think that she put like tanning cream instead of sunscreen. Or something I don't think like she maybe... put anything on the kid. Yeah, maybe. From what I'm, I remember, I'm thinking of something else. And that is, I mean, just that alone is enough to like, you know. Yeah. Like, okay, you're obviously not a parent. Yeah, like I don't think she's purposefully abusive it's not like she beats the kid or anything from what i remember but she's tremendously but neglectful. She, yeah she doesn't care at all yeah. so i guess you could argue that is abuse it's definitely neglect yeah. hands down but yeah and the book ends with obviously the the kid gets reunited with the mother because patrick decides to not let amanda stay with the new family mm-hmm. And you see at the end that the mom kind of returns to her old ways of just letting the TV be the babysitter and not engaging with her child. So it it kind of comes around to the beginning again, where Amanda is back in this environment that's not good for her. But Yeah, Helena's going out to a party, you know, she assumes that Dottie, her friend, will babysit for her, but Dottie doesn't know this yet. Mm -hmm. So, like, the fate of amanda is just as bleak as it were in the beginning yeah so it's before being kidnapped yeah it's a happy ending quote-unquote in the sense that the crime was solved and she's back with her mom but it's not a good ending when you look at it from the perspective of amanda she's back in this family where the mom doesn't really care for her and who knows how she'll grow up what she'll be yeah and her uncle no wait yeah that would be her uncle Lionel, he's in prison now mm-hmm. because he was involved in her dis- in her kidnapping. Yeah. So, in a way, she's worse off because Helene doesn't get along as well with what was the woman's Betty? name. Was it Betty or Beatrice or something Beatrice. like that? Yes, Beatrice. Okay. They don't get along, so you know that you know Beatrice is probably not going to be babysitting all that much anymore now that like Lionel is out of the picture. So. In a way, it's not a happy ending. In a way, things end up worse, for sure. Doyle and Bruzard and Lionel, they broke the law. They knew 
trying to do a good thing, right? However, a very, very drastically, violently, horrible method to, like, get to a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so you probably said, like, yeah, like, the end justifies the means. It would have been their... That's what they would have said for justification. Yeah, that would have been their argument. But it's a detective novel. The detectives are going to detect. <laughs> detectives will detect. Yeah. The detectives are going to bring them to justice, even though they are members of... The police, and that—that's one part that I liked. It felt, it could have felt a little cliche. Be like, oh, the cops are the dirty cops, and they're screwing each other over, and they're somehow involved in this thing. And Broussard incriminates himself when he's drunk after the episode at Leon and Roberta's, when he says that he knew Skinny Ray. And then the novel really takes off. We get to this very, very climactic ending. And I'm left with, like, this horrible, like, taste in my mouth that, like, the world is the worse for it, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the novel itself, I felt, was a bit long. There was a lot of detail that, like, I didn't care for. Regardless of whether it had to be there to make the story work, I didn't pay attention enough to those minute details. And I could have gotten along just fine because I remember what the novel was about. I obviously remember the important story beats, but it did feel a little long. It did feel like the pacing was a little off. And that would probably be just my big criticism. I'd say this novel was like a 6 or 7 out of 10 for me. So 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, and I agree. I felt that... It kind of dragged in certain parts. We talked about how it was a bit confusing and convoluted in certain parts. I also, I've heard people say that this author writes a really good dialogue, but I found that it was kind of cheesy dialogue in some parts. A bit fake in parts. A bit fake, like a bit kind of made for the movie screen, just with these snappy comebacks and that kind of dialogue that you'd expect to see maybe in a movie. And I don't know, it just, the dialogue seemed a bit fake in certain parts. Yeah. But... I, yeah, I think it was a, I enjoyed, I'm happy we read it. I liked, I I love crime detective novels, so I automatically like that about it. And I liked how it it was an interesting explanation to the kidnapping. It wasn't the typical pedophile, criminals, criminals. child trafficking, whatever. Like it was an interesting take on the kidnapping. A twist. Storyline, yeah, and again, it makes you think it raises some really good questions about these types of scenarios. So, I think, yeah, those win over against the weaker parts we discussed. Absolutely, so, oh, I yeah. agree. Like, I'm not, I've gotten to a point in my life where I want to read so many, so many goddamn books that if I don't enjoy a book, even if it's for the podcast. Dear listener, you're going to like be surprised, but like we do choose the books beforehand and discuss them at length before we even consider them. We have a very, very rigorous system. I point at the bookshelf and kind of move my hand around and say, that one. <laughs> no, that's not true. So, like, I, I just put books down. If I've read 50 pages, 100 pages, and I'm snoring, then I just put it down. I don't care, right? I used to have this thing where I needed to finish the book. It felt like a betrayal. It felt like this failure of mine to not... You know, and like life is too short to be reading shit books. Yeah. That that wasn't the case here. I was intrigued from the beginning. It did slow down in many parts. However, the characters were real enough for me. I really liked the the protagonist. I guess you could say the protagonist is Patrick because it follows him and is narrated by him. 
It wasn't first person, was it? Mm, I don't remember, actually. Funny. I think it is. It might be. Well, just to, just to show what an <laughs> impact like that type of, that aspect of the novel had on us. But yeah, like Patrick and Angie, I love those characters. They were great. I, I think l- it is, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I think it is first person. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it was. I just wasn't sure. From his perspective. So I didn't want to say like, it is first person. And then like the reader who is like a far more faithful reader than I am, they're like, hmm, 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 hmm. But I like them. I like Poole and Broussard, even though Broussard like gets far more and more complex and gets cooked into like a more convoluted character. Mm-hmm. I thought that aspect of the novel was great. I thought that like the transition from like Remy, the handsome, sly type of detective, turns into a fairly violent, cunning criminal in his own right. I liked it. I thought it was one of the stronger points of the novel. And yeah, I, I I I made it clear that I didn't like the slower points, and that's about it. However, it there's something about it that like I can't just be like, okay, this book I gotta recommend it to people, and that happens to me. Like I'll read a book and I'm like, dude, you're gonna love this book. My mom's gonna love this book. Your mom's gonna love this book. Because I don't know any men who read, so it's all women that I'm mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> so my brother's gonna love this book. I have to show it to them. I'll give it to them. I'll gift it to them for their birthday. You know, like this book, I would probably say read Shutter Island. I think those are the only two full length novels I've read. I read uh, Coronado, I think. Those are short stories and it was pretty good. But yeah, Shutter Island is a much better novel than this, I would say. Sorry to say, Mr. Lahan. Lahane. Lahane. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's if you like crime novels I think you would enjoy this book but if that's not your typical type of book that you read maybe you'd be less interested but it's hard to tell I mean because like we said the story was intriguing and it's a mystery so you want to find out what the resolution is yeah so it was fairly dark and violent at times too so like there I can totally see a number of people that I know that they just would be turned off by that completely because the fact that it's like a horrible thing happening to a kid but then there's some really, really horrible shit happening to children in this novel that like a lot of people would just like be, oh, they just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I felt was, because at, at the end, how like Angie leaves Patrick over the decision to like bring over, bring these people to justice. And she says, no, that's not the right thing to do. Like, look at her. She's happy. And she was happy. Like they look mm-hmm. at the fam- at the pseudo family through the window and Amanda's having a ball and they're happy, they're cooking, they're playing with the dog, everything's great. She's happy. It's a better place for her. Fucking leave him alone. And Patrick doesn't. And Angie leaves him. That kind of made me want to read the next book. Yeah. I kind of wanted to see, like, what's this next... I think I read the description for it. I wanted to see, like, what what is this novel going to be? And there's three other novels before this one. Wow. So, like, it, it, it's not that I didn't enjoy it so far that I'd be like, okay, like, that, that was, like, a one-off for me and all these other novels in this series. No, I think that the guy can write a pretty good mystery. It is complex enough that I would find it very, very difficult to keep straight as a writer. As a reader, it kind of delivered a little bit too convolutedly, if that's an adverb. 
it just felt a little confusing. At times, I had no idea what was going on, and I just kind of pushed through, and it was like, okay. It was a minimum of that, though. That, 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 aspect, that aspect was fairly minimal, though. Like, it didn't detract from the general enjoyment that I had from the novel. Mm-hmm. But again, probably, let's call it a 7. Solid 7 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. We'd love to hear what you thought about this novel or about our podcast or about what other books we should read that you like or want us to trash. (laughs) So write us an email to apartmentlibrarypodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back. We will be back next week or probably next month. Fuck, I don't know. Definitely not in within a week, but soon enough, we'll be back with another episode. And we hope you tune in and listen. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, even though it got pretty dark. (laughs) We love it. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thanks.